And since number one, I wasn't hungry but thirsty, and number two, they was free, I must have drank me about 15 Dr. Peppers. Congratulations. How does it feel to be an All-American? It's an honor, sir. Congratulations. How does it feel to be an All-American? Forrest Gump is Boomer Jesus and Robert Zemeckis' wet, feverish dream of mid to late 20th century America. And that's all I have to say about that. This is Spoilers! (laughs) Hey now! Hello everyone, this is Spoilers. I won last week's movie trivia game at the end of the episode, so I got to pick any movie in the world I wanted to review. And guys, I did it. I picked Forrest Gump. Uh, let's go around and introduce the cast. We'll start with all the way Westesis, Corey. What are your first memories of Forrest Gump? Hi, this is uh, Corey, recording out of Simi Valley, California, also known as Kylo Ren memes. My first exposure to Forrest Gump. Um, I saw it on VHS very soon after it came out. Uh, I was very young, and there was some stuff that was not quite appropriate for me, but my parents let me watch it anyway because it was such a such a moving movie to them. So, uh, yeah, I got to see it quite young. I liked it even as a little kid. A lot of stuff I didn't fully understand, of course, but I did enjoy it. Next, Pappy, I guess my question for you is, your first experience with this movie, did you prematurely ejaculate in your pants? Uh, I mean, almost every experience I have with any movie, I prematurely ejaculate in my pants. That's why I have to sit in the back of movie theaters. But yeah, I, I I was a little bit later to the Forrest Gump game. I don't think I saw it until sixth grade. So I think that would have been five or six years after it came out. Actually, the soundtrack was way more classic to me than the movie when I was really young because we owned that. Um, and we had the movie too, but I wasn't supposed to, to watch it, I don't think. <laughs> I think Stevie, you might be next. Sure. So where are you recording out of Stevie? And Is there a question? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Forrest Gump, right? The actually, I do have a quite. I do have You've a. You've heard of it, I'm you. sure. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> My question for you, Stevie, actually, is on the LOTR podcast, Fellowship of the Ring. You had a really popular segment looked at woke culture. Are you looking forward to getting into some of those same issues here? Not at all. <laughs> you don't want yeah, the Facebook comments? Straight to the point. This is just a movie about a simple man with autism getting through life in the best way possible. Uh, yeah, this is Stevie recording from Elkhart, by the way. I'm not a big fan of the woke articles when it comes to this movie. Mikey, you're recording really close to me in Elkhart or Goshen? Yeah, Goshen. Yeah, so... I was kind of scared to pass it over to you because earlier this week in the thread, you're gonna, <laughs> you said you're going to eviscerate me on this podcast. I was more upset that you and Brett were just arguing about nonsense and blowing up the thread while I was trying to play video games. That's what I was really <laughs> upset about. Dude, mute the conversation like I do. Just so the listeners know, our conversation was literally an argument about the sem- semantics of... Meryl Streep. The semantics of Meryl Streep's acceptance award from five years ago, so and you guys were ago. just lighting the thread up. It was exactly. awful. It's almost exactly three years ago. So. Brett, we've been getting in fights like that for almost a decade now. Oh, a long Over? time, long yeah, time. Yeah, more yeah. than that. More than that. So introduce yourself. What was your first experience with Forrest, Forrest Gump? I don't know. I mean, I've probably seen it a dozen times. It's been around that long, and I don't think my parents have ever stopped me from watching it. I don't... 
know if it's that risky. It's always been like kind of a, I don't know, never, never bad enough to not show kids in my family at least. So I've seen it probably pretty young. Does does that make sense with you guys? Just to be clear before Brett introduces himself, yeah, Nurse Malcolm was very progressive. I think she just didn't want to watch a special needs guy jizz in his pants with her 10-year-old son next to her on the couch, which I totally respect. Like, I don't, it wasn't like she was, like, hiding it from me in the vault or anything. Yeah. (laughs) Brett, I kind of already burned my toss to you, so... Can you just go? Yeah, was that for me earlier? (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) But I was like, Mikey didn't go yet. Um... This is Brett uh, recording from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, I don't remember if I saw this in the theater or right when it came out, but I was like, the older guys here, I had the, the VHS. Uh, this is definitely not a movie, anywhere close to a movie that I would not have been able to watch. Um, I'm with Pappy. I like, this, as soon as I watched it, I like begged my parents, like, please, can we go get the soundtrack? I mean, ooh, that double like, disc. Oh, double disc. Mm-hmm. It's. I mean, I think we say a lot of soundtracks are like the best ever. I mean, I thought uh, uh, Moondog movie had a really good soundtrack, but this is like the goat to me. Um, I Oof. like Stevie. I also don't like The Woke. And um, I wasn't asking you about that, though. <laughs> Let a movie be a movie. <laughs> that question is not for you, sir. I'm joking, Brett. Go ahead. No, I was, I was just making a joke. Like, he said The Woke article something i just stopped after woke so um <laughs> that's it for me i mean i i've seen this movie a bunch of times I, this is actually probably the first time in a long time that i actually watched it and not like oh it's on tv let me watch it for like an hour and a half and i noticed a lot of things uh in this pg-13 movie that are not on tv so uh that was a pretty big fan of that so i'm done i i love your point of view Brett, because it's so different from all the modern, smart, hip podcasts I've been listening to lately. And Pappy, maybe you can attest to this too, but I've listened to several unspooled, friendly fire come to mind, and the word boomer comes up in those podcasts way too much. And even like down to the soundtrack, all I hear is, it's just pure cheese. It's nothing like actual substance. Like, (laughs) I feel like there is a lot of backlash to this movie right now. It's lazy. It's not like a cool thing to like in 2020 Forrest Gump. And, and unlike other people on this podcast, when there's, you know, when someone says, um, I feel marginalized by a movie or I don't like the way a certain group of people looks in a movie, I don't dismiss it out of hand, but I'm with you, dude. I read way too many articles and watch way too many YouTube videos. And it's just a lot of bullshit about this movie. I, I don't, I don't see what the big deal is. I mean, I, I've kind of like crystallized a few arguments that they seem to fall back on, but they all seem, like I said, just like a lot of bullshit. Can we, I love those. Cause you sent those over to me <laughs> earlier in the week, Pappy. Can we get into those a little later? Yeah, for sure. I would love to, but f- right now, as usual in spoilers, we're going to kind of walk through and relive the movie a little bit. I got it broken down into four parts, but the intro Corey is, this feather thing and after all these years you got this feather thing figured out i figured it out i watched (laughs) i watched the movie with director commentary (laughs) i have all the answers uh so the feather that's floating around um the way robert zemeckis put it was that it's it's there to represent the randomness of life and destiny so like you know, it kind of floats around. It almost lands on one person, and then it moves into forests. And when the movie ends, it moves away from him. So it's kind of like directing us into his story, I guess. But 
Yeah, there's a feather that floats around. It's all right. <laughs> Somebody on that awesome, one, one of the guys on that friendly fire podcast said like the only thing the feather represents is the audience because eventually you start watching this movie and eventually you stop watching this. Oh movie. my god, how true is that? You do. You do. Wow. Uh did any of you guys catch it? This is kind of supposed to be like a pseudo throwback to Rosa Parks on this bench, though. This first bench scene. No. No. I thought I Rosa Parks that. was on a bus. Well, she's waiting for a bus here. And I guess when Rosa Parks was asked why she didn't move to the back of the bus, she said her feet hurt. That's like pretty much the oh, only thing that woman okay. says. Oh, like the gotcha. timeline doesn't make sense. And it's wacky and absurdist kind of like a lot of things in this movie but is this a reddit theory or a true theory the like timeline doesn't like... make sense at all so no i did not read it on reddit like 80s there's yeah. a couple things in the movie where the timeline makes no sense stevie let's get into it though the real meat of the movie starts in 1951 greenbow alabama we get young forest in a doctor's office and can you kind of i think the scene is important and it gets thrown back to it at the end but can you really run us through What's happening here? Um, it's made pretty clear from the beginning of the bench to the time we're in the doctor's office. Forrest is a—he's a little slow, and um, <laughs> he's not just a little slow. He also has a horribly crooked back, and he's... shaped like a question mark. <laughs> <laughs> Please keep doing that this whole pod. Um, but yeah, he gets these. Uh, I mean, he pretty much gets turned into Iron Man at like age five. And his mom is crazy protective of him, the great Sally Field, of just like, he may be different, but like, different isn't always bad, which is preached like this entire movie. She's so great in this movie, Sally mm-hmm. Field. I love Sally yeah. Field. Do you. America's mother. When she bangs the principal, was that like the first time it gets a little bit uncomfortable for a little kid audience when Forrest is like <laughs> making the monkey humping noises back to the Dude, principal? I didn't know what that was till I was older. Yeah, I didn't so know what it was either. I was so young. I didn't know that she like was having sex with like the principal until like way later. One part of that scene that made it even worse watching it as an adult is he comes out and he's like bragging to Forrest. He's like, man, she oh, sure mama. cares about your schooling. <laughs> Dude, he's a sleaze. Oh, yeah. There must be something can be done. Well, your mama sure does care about your schooling, son. Mm-mm-mm. You don't say much, do you? <laughs> but I don't want to like delve too much in the de- details of everything, but I do think that first scene is important in the doctor's office. I think... Something about the way the camera moves and it feels realistic and the tension. Are you guys like actively put back in 1951 Greenbow? Uh, with the medical, uh, the medical uh, procedures getting done on him, it seems like it's 1951. 
He's getting like <laughs> nuts and bolts screwed onto his legs. <laughs> it looks pretty archaic. But um, I don't know. I think they do a pretty good job of of just like uh, setting the setting of like that time and place. I think it's pretty. I mean, I don't know how accurate it is, but it seems you can tell right away that they're from Alabama, that it's the '50s, and that. He's growing up in an important part of history during this time. Their lineage definitely like owns slaves, right? There's no way you live in a house that big in Alabama and didn't own slaves at some point. They make a point to show, sh- show stock footage because he's actually named after a Ku Klux Klan member. Cool, yeah, but she also named him that mm-hmm. to show that they, her family had made mistakes in the past. Exactly. And- so I, I mean, her family might have. I don't, but that I mean that could be sixty years earlier. I mean, it doesn't have to necessarily be one generation ago. I, I mean, it's possible. Yeah. Was that stock footage from what's that one movie called? A, a, a Birth of a Nation, Stevie. A Birth of a Nation. Yeah. Was that Birth of a Nation? No, stock that was. Footage? Oh, oh, yes. oh, yeah. Yeah, um, it was. That's, I thought you were talking about. I was like, no, that's Tom Hanks. But yeah, <laughs> I know what you mean now. <laughs> but it is so disconcerting to see sweet, lovable Tom Hanks Turner put on a fucking KKK hood. It's like, no! <laughs> Uncle Tom, no. Yeah. I'm surprised well, that Pappy, what'd you say? going around. Uncle Tom, no. Uncle What's Tom, there. Easy. I agree with Mikey, though. I think if this is a new movie, that like little gif of him like pulling the hood over his face would definitely be pretty viral. We can make it happen. Uh, <laughs> God. One thing I've been thinking about a lot in this movie is how it bounces back and forth between <laughs> some pretty real gritty scenes and some just absolute cartoonist propagandist <laughs> bullcrap. Like, it really bounces between the two. And I think here at the very beginning, maybe up until in the moment of him breaking out of his braces, uh, it is pretty realistic and I don't I'm a man I'll admit it that scene with him running out of his braces brought some waterness to my eyeballs um Corey can you mm-hmm. run down that scene did that did that bring anything to you uh once upon a time I think it did I mean it it's been parodied so much and I you know it's been out for so long that it doesn't quite have the emotional pull for me anymore but to break it down uh, Forrest Gump and Jenny are approached by, I guess, like the local bullies, and they start chasing Forrest, and he's trying to like run away. He's like gimping along with his, you know, leg braces, and it kind of goes to slow mo, and we get like a a big kind of epic shot of them slowly breaking apart, and he he looks down and he realizes that he's gonna be free of these fucking braces, and he he just like books it down the road super fast, and. He realizes one of his many talents is uh, the ability to run fast. <laughs> I love how the kid, like, it always makes me feel like, man, this kid's like a natural runner. And then you look at Tom Hanks and you're like, he is not a natural runner. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently like a lot of the shots goes... with the kid were a double because the little kid that played Forrest didn't like to run. So <laughs> well, I, just meant, I just meant whoever the kid is, is a natural runner, like... It's effortless, but Tom Hanks looks like a yeah. statue that's been 
pushed on wheels throughout a, I don't know. <laughs> the kid's got good form. I like, yeah. yeah. I like how uh, he would just run out of frame and then they would follow the truck and then they'd see Forrest again, but he'd be like 50 <laughs> yards away because they just have a, <laughs> a second guy pick up from from that shot. It was just kind of funny editing. They also had a little bit just of Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner like dust flying up behind his feet as he was running. Yeah. But that run forest run line, man, it like it's one of those things that gets under my skin because like I've I've heard it said my whole life. I remember being in school when we were kids, and anytime someone ran, someone would <laughs> shout that shit. It's so yeah. fucking annoying. I just think those kids are really good at throwing rocks. They're super accurate. I mean, they freaking blasted him so many times in the face. This is one of Forrest's like many moments of complete inaction until someone f- directly tells him what to do. Yeah. So he gets pegged with like three rocks in the head, and he's just like frozen in time and space, looking. <laughs> the kid has an IQ of seventy-five. Pappy, no. Stevie, though, I want to rope you into this. Braces off. I feel like there's something braces to off. it. There's still magic there. I I know it's been cliched, but I felt it. I absolutely love that scene, especially yeah. like, I mean, when it breaks down into the slow mo and they start kind of like shackling off. Like, I think that's a really cool scene. Mm-hmm. I'm like Were a big bullies... fan of this movie, so yeah, cool scene. Were the bullies intending to just commit murder in the well, small of the street? <laughs> Mikey, there, this is 1950s Alabama, where being slow or different will might get you murdered. It's not far too different from Alabama today. Well, I don't think so, the little kids were going to murder him, but I think the older kids maybe thought about it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. The same kids mm. eight years later. <laughs> so Brett, he is able to run out of his braces. He has this new thing where he can run like the wind. <laughs> I started running. <laughs> You're our sports football expert, Brett. Give us a just a real high view of how football kind of affects his life story here. Football is the arts. I was going to say that, man. You gotta, <laughs> hey, I deserve to be able to say that. Um, I missed the end because I was waiting for that joke. Can you say it again, Josh? Uh, no, you're just a football expert, and football is kind of what propels Forrest to the next thing in his life. So instead of going beat by beat, just kind of a high overview of how he gets discovered and where he goes. Yeah, so he's running from the bullies, and he just happens on a chance encounter with Bear Bryant um, who's the legendary coach of Alabama um, and he ends up going to school in Alabama and becomes an All-American and you know again kind of like someone just mentioned earlier it's one of the moments where he's inactive until someone tells him to go he's sitting out there just staring at the crowd in the middle of the play (laughs) and then I mean give Forrest all the credit I guess but Man, that's some pretty good blocking. Like, he just kind of runs right through. Yeah. And he's, he scores, um, and then he keeps running, and then um, they show they show him again, and he scores another touchdown, and everyone tells him to stop. So that's pretty much his football career. He uh, becomes an All-American, gets to meet Kennedy, and that probably passed that on to somebody else. Well, is there a reason he doesn't go pro here? Did they not exist in the same way it does now, the NFL? No, it did. It yeah. wasn't uh, as big. I guess what it'd be at that time he'd be in the 
early 60s, right? Well, the Ringer rewatchable guy like that. The Ringer rewatchables point this out, Brett. He would have been there probably the same time that Joe Namath was at Alabama. So yeah. Oh my uh, gosh, they have so much footage of Joe Namath in NFL films. They could have easily found something to like airbrush Forrest in. It's kind of what they do. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, he, there was no t- there wasn't a ton of money in it. Um, at the t- I mean, more than most people would have made. But I mean, I think his career probably took him down a better path. But I don't know. Good question. Do they paint Paul Bear Bryant as kind of a racist in this movie? Seemed like it. I, no, I don't know about racist, but he's definitely like he calls them dumb and stupid and stuff. Like I, I would. No, that scene where he picks up the, uh, the that book. woman's book, like the book when she goes into the school, mm-hmm. oh. and Paul Bear Bryant looks absolutely irate at like the thought of that. He's yeah. having none of it. Oh, that is because well, he was guy... historically famous for not recruiting African American players to Alabama for a long time. So I wonder if that was kind of a nod to it. Which I guess Possibly. in the book, Bubba was actually his college football teammate. Which is an interesting oh. twist. It's almost like they added in that racism because they were kind of culturally aware, unlike people want to give them credit for. We should like just say right now that this is nothing like the book is so crazy compared to this. I mean, he's at Alabama for a semester in the book. Have you read it, Brett? No, I just I did some prep for this. I mean, oh. he fa- he failed out, and he him, yeah. and, him and Jenny were in a freaking folk band together. So. <laughs> And we started singing. And in the book, <laughs> I did. heard he becomes an astronaut, which is... Uh, he does. He does astronaut and a professional wrestler. Uh, what? He didn't know Lieutenant Dan until after like he met him in the hospital, so is it's the, really weird. Is the book supposed to be good? Like, is it considered... not Maybe not as a classic as Forrest Gump is considered, but is it a good novel, or do people hate it? I think people liked it. I mean, he wrote it in a really weird... He wrote it like Forrest Talking. Which is pretty unique, and probably yeah. now you wouldn't be able to write like that. But um, I don't think the book is as well loved as the movie. Though, no, I don't sure. think so either. And, and he's not—he hates the movie. So, um, and I did some research too on the spread, and that'd be where my one most interesting tidbit comes in. He wrote a sequel to this because they ripped him off so bad in payment from this movie. They said they would buy his next book and like make a screenplay out of it. So at the end Yikes. of at the end of that book he addresses the fame of like the movie and it gets really meta and he talks about the Oscars and how Forrest Gump wins a bunch of Oscars which actually happens in real life <laughs> adding to the myth but then he goes then they gave me a special award and I had to come up and make my own speech and I said the only thing I could think of I have to go pay <laughs> and the book ends. Oh no! Own your ideas, kids. Otherwise, you end up writing shitty sequels to try and scrape out. Of yeah. Own your ideas. <laughs> so I asked that NFL question, Brett, because instead of you think he's already gone from the bottom to the top, but really, Pappy, he goes right back to the bottom here, doesn't he? Where do we see Force next? Uh, he gets recruited by a Vietnam or, or a military army recruiter, and it's kind of his journey through the army. And, and he meets Bubba. They're out on a bus. But I, I really like the point. It's one of the things that makes me laugh the most is that Forrest is the best army recruit the army's ever fucking had. I know. God, that that uh, 
black uh, drill sergeant is my favorite character. God damn it, Cup, you're a goddamn genius. <laughs> That's the you'll, best answer I've ever heard. You'll oh, be a man, general so you're going to be a general one day, Gump. That plays so well on screen. I love it. I cherish every moment of that, too. But, Pappy, that's even probably a quintessential complaint a lot of people have, right, about this movie, that Forrest's main superpower is that he can just follow directions. And that's the boomer message, right? Stay in line. Yeah. <laughs> Close and, your eyes. And, yeah, just to, to kind of, like, talk about that a little bit, a lot of the criticisms you'll see are a lot of, but her really political people who think that the movie is uh, into or leaning into right right wing values, um, and that comes up a little bit more with like the way that the hippies are portrayed and stuff. Yeah, right wing good, left wing bad. Yeah, I mean, I could see people thinking that. I just think it's dumb. But but I mean, like, I feel like this whole section is a very pointed critique of the military. Like, I've never seen a movie where like to be a good army soldier, you have to be dumb. And like the way that the whole Vietnam sequences are, are handled, Brett, we talked about it on the, like the uh-huh. every best picture podcast. It's one of my favorite parts of the movie. And it's like, you don't see the Viet Cong. They're not other, they're not even like villainized necessarily. It's just kind of right. like a thing that's happening to these Americans. Uh. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think they're over the top with like uh anti-war. I think it's really well done. I mean, when they land in Vietnam the first time, I mean, you got Fortunate Son going, which is is an anti-war song, but it's not like... I just think that song is perfect for this. Uh, the Vietnam scenes are like Is it my a favorite. little too perfect? Like, that is the biggest cliche probably in this movie. Did Forrest Gump start that song being played in every Vietnam movie? <laughs> or was like so. That in every Vietnam movie before <laughs> Forrest Gump? I had the same thought. To me, I connected with this one. Yeah, because I feel like that song is in every Vietnam movie ever made. <laughs> yeah, I to, have to more... backtrack a little bit, Zemeckis kind of addressed what you guys are saying, I guess, to like a some degree. He said that Forrest Gump in this movie like represents the idealized version of an American of that time, as where Jenny represents like Dumb the unfulfilled American of the time, like the opposite of Forrest. So that was stated in the commentary to some degree. Yeah, I guess so. But do you want to be Forrest Gump? I mean, I got his life turns out pretty well, but you know, he's jizzing in his pants in a dorm room. <laughs> he is. <laughs> he sure is. <laughs> he doesn't seem to be able to really like double down on any of his successes either. Yeah, I mean, he's got uh, like more money than he'll ever need. But other than that, I mean, I think one of the comments I had heard in the past of what people think is unrealistic is he's literally. I mean, he's done more than anybody in the history of the world has ever done, and nobody knows him. That's a big problem I have. A local Alabama man runs across the country. You mean the All-American football player, Medal of Honor recipient? Billionaire. <laughs> Billionaire? <laughs> Ping pong champion. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it's just kind of supposed to uh No social to media, every, bro. Every man thing. Yeah, you're right. It, but, but, Josh, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about probably the highlight of not only like the Vietnam sections, but probably the whole movie for me. That's uh, Lieutenant Dan. Oh, indeed. I, How do you feel about Lieutenant Dan, Josh? <laughs> uh, Lieutenant Dan is a really solid character in this movie. I'm glad that they didn't just insulate it to Forrest and Jenny only. Um, seems like a lot of the people that he comes across die. So 
it's nice to see Lieutenant Dan live. <laughs> uh, Mikey, do you think they kind of did a Rambo with Lieutenant Dan? Like, if he would have died or committed suicide, send, like, a really bad message? Uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious Lieutenant Dan was suffering from some sort of uh, mental illness or PTSD after uh, his uh, wound in the war or uh, his injuries in the war. Because uh, he has a history of like all of his family members dying in every American war or something. We get like a, a little flashback sequence <laughs> of that, of Gary Sinise in different costumes. Um, I don't know. I, I like Lieutenant Dan, but he's definitely got some demons. And they try to show just what, I mean, we did not treat veterans very well after the Vietnam War. And they're kind of encompassing all of that into lieutenant dan at once and lieutenant dan was never really treated well by anybody except for forrest after the war josh um i think when you said about the rambo thing of if he would not have been able to die i mean i think that's one of the whole points of the movie is we had mentioned it is he affects so many things uh force affects so many things that he touches and Lieutenant Dan died in every war, but, you know, the fact that Forrest is just there changes his whole uh, destiny and his whole life. And, again, that leads to, unfortunately, what Mikey said, definitely PTSD, just depression, alcoholism. So, I mean, luckily at the end, it turns out well for Lieutenant Dan. I mean, he has to go through hell pretty much, but just yeah. the fact that Forrest is there is kind of the whole purpose of the movie. He's, he's at every everything i mean from big things like you know assassination attempts oh well he wasn't there but you know segregation and integration and even small things like lieutenant dan's life i don't know i think that's just the purpose of the movie so mm-hmm. i have a stevie question that- about lieutenant dan <laughs> if i may have at it so lieutenant dan is kind of a a mixed bag because on one hand he seems to be like an atheist or like the mole from south park bigger longer uncut that he just hates god <laughs> So much. He's obsessed with hating God. But on the other hand, he's if he is an atheist, he's also the character who's most obsessed with his own yeah. destiny. Like, do you do you think <laughs> Lieutenant Dan finds God? Is that part of his peace process? It's like hinted at, but I'm just curious what Stevie Stevie theory is. I think he 100% found God. I think a lot of the movie is him searching for God, and the reason why he's so angry is because he's never answered him. I think deep down he has like a, an actual belief in God and destiny and Same. fate. I just think that he was getting so fed up with the way his life was going and feeling not just abandoned by his country after the Vietnam War, but also abandoned by God. Mm. I think someone like him would benefit from being an atheist, but I don't think he is. Yeah, he's definitely not. I think not. that makes yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, he, he. There are plenty of people in the world who believe in God who hate, you know, hate God. I, think that's a way worse thing to be than i mean an atheist as i'm Corey or whoever could tell you it's it's freeing uh and if you believed in him but you hated everything he did he or she whatever they see see zim sir zim so to join brett's call email (laughs) (laughs) i mean lieutenant dan is straight up calling out god during the storm on the shrimp boat so he is definitely a believer, I think. He's just unhappy with the way his destiny like played out. Because, I mean, he he was 
in it with the military. Like he 100%, that was his life. That was his everything. And he wanted to do that till the day he died. And that was taken away from him. And, you know, he blamed Forrest and then he blamed God. You also have kind of to think about like his upbringing too. Lieutenant Dan was probably a military brat growing up. Like, and I imagine it's probably reinforced in his brain a lot that there was like no greater honor than like dying for your country. Yeah. It's like so many family members like had to like, so many family members did before him and so I think when that was taken away from him he just had no idea where to focus his energy to definitely not on ice cream doesn't focus his energy (laughs) no he doesn't fucking waste thanks for bringing him up Pap I'm pleased you did that Um, just to bring it full circle kind of back to the beginning of his plight before we see New York City street slicker Dan like later in the movie all grungy we get a much more like early Frodo version of him, right, Corey? Like, what's the first Lieutenant Dan that we see? Uh, we get the uh, cynical military Lieutenant Dan, so he still has that like Lieutenant Dan nature, but you know he's he's a uh, he's their military commander, and he's kind of like taking Forrest and Bubba through their uh, little journey in Vietnam, which I mean. As a, I guess a side note, it, it, doesn't it look like Vietnam? I think they said that was filmed in Georgia or South Carolina. <laughs> I think, but fuck, man. It's like Vietnam to me. I've been watching Vietnam documentaries for the last week. <laughs> that Ken Burns fucking documentary. So I've been seeing a lot of <laughs> Vietnam footage. And yeah, it looked a lot like it to me. But basically, he's their military commander. He's taking them on their little uh, Do you get the expedition. feeling he's a pretty skilled soldier? Seems like he's a badass. Uh, I mean... We never really know for sure, but I, I would like to assume that he was. Yeah, but his funny feelings that he gets, I mean, do they ever really amount to anything? They do get ambushed, so I guess. Hmm. We'll leave that up to debate. Uh, so the company is sent out on all these patrols. They walk and they walk, kind of like what Kevin Smith says they do in Lord of the Rings. They just walk and walk. <laughs> and... Eventually, it kind of comes to a head here. It's the end of this pretty much whole platoon story. Uh, Pappy, can you give us a quick rundown of the scene? It's pretty important. Yeah, and to also jump ahead a little bit, one of the things that drives me the most crazy about the woke commentary on Forrest Gump is Forrest Gump has nothing to say about Vietnam. Bullshit. Forrest Gump's best fucking friend dies in Vietnam. The, The movie has nothing good to say about Vietnam, but... They are ambushed, like Corey hinted at. The beer and the barbecue. And <laughs> Forrest takes oh the advice God. that Jenny gave him, and he, and he runs away from danger, but then he realizes he's alone, and that's a very bad thing. So he runs back to try and save Bubba, but like one by one he ends up saving his whole platoon or squadron. I don't Company. know. Company. I don't know what the right terminology is. And, and ultimately he's awarded the Medal of Honor for doing this. Dude, when he says, oh... Bubba, that makes me so sad. <laughs> Something bit me. <laughs> what was the line of Bubba's that he'll never forget? I want to go home. I want to go home. I want to go home. Just that. It wasn't like the secret ingredient to the shrimp sauce or whatever. <laughs> no. It's no, they covered that in, in boot camp. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, the actors really had to do boot camp for this. That seems excessive. Did they re- really have to? 
<laughs> the director claims they did. I mean, I assume that's true. <laughs> There's like 20 minutes of Vietnam. I don't know. That seems a little too much for a movie production. Mikey, you're the practical effect guy, though. I agree with what Pappy said earlier, but do you want to talk about it a little bit more? This quick little war scene, it lasts all but 30 seconds, right? It's pretty effective. Well, while Forrest is saving everybody, there's bullets flying past him. He gets shot a couple times in the butt talks, and he gets blown up pretty much. I mean, he's carrying, I think, Lieutenant Dan on his back, and then uh, like a, a trip mine goes off, and pretty big explosion like right next to them and just everything's kind of going to shit and he's continuing to save everybody so he's like pap said he gets awarded the medal of honor for his bravery which to him he's not being brave he's just saving his friends he's not thinking uh, about any of that stuff the tripwire are you talking about when he's running with bubba and the whole force is blowing up yeah the and nape he said the napalm they, he said they're going to nape the so yeah it was I really like the bullets wow. flying over the horizon, kind of coming at the camera. And I really like this one quick shot when he's with Bubba and they're still talking like where he was wounded. You actually see two of the Vietnamese soldiers like in the background. They're kind of like patrolling, looking for survivors. It's really ominous. and I, I had never caught that before. It's a pretty cool shot. Um, so anyway, uh, Pappy, you're saying he gets awarded the Medal of Honor. And I just want to open this up to general discussion. This is one of our many instances of using past historical footage and shopping Forrest in there. I just want to get your guys' thoughts on that, Pat. Mixed bag would be my thought. <laughs> yeah. Same. Some were good, some were bad. I mean, I like at the time, I remember looking really talking. good. Yeah. In the land of China, people hardly got nothing at all. No possessions? And in China, they never go to church. No religion, too? Yeah, in 95, no one was saying it looked like shit. But, I mean, the the, the Lyndon Johnson one isn't great. Uh, it's been pointed out a million times, but the John Lennon one is obviously the most egregious and terrible. But they're all just No very... religion, too? <laughs> <laughs> what is it that you don't like about the John Lennon one? Is it the content or is it the technical the aspect? Cheese. I would say it's a little bit of both. It's probably like 20% content, uh, but 80% that I can see that his lips aren't saying the thing that he's supposed to yeah. be saying. <laughs> Is it not slapstickingly hilarious, though, to you? I can suspend a lot of disbelief, but not that much. It's too much. President Johnson awarded four yeah. medals of honor to men from each of the armed services. America owes you a debt of gratitude. Corey, were there any that you thought were bad? I think the Lyndon Johnson one is the worst because they have to put in the most lines for Lyndon Johnson, so they have to make his mouth move the most, so it's the most obvious. Outside of that one, I think they were done fairly well considering the time and everything. In the butt talks, uh, oh, that must be a sight. I'd like to see that. Honestly, I think every time he's in there where there, no one's talking like that, I like, and the ones that they are talking, I don't like as much, but again... Uh, it looked good at the time. I remember it looking cool at the time, but like you see all those videos now of like bad lip reading or bad, and those look way better. <laughs> those are pretty so, good. Yeah. Something about it when it came out, and I think even still remains a little bit, despite the effects maybe fading, is like some real movie magic happening here. John Lennon one is a little cheesy. I didn't catch that cheese when I was little, and. 
I don't know, as bad as it is, this movie probably did inform a lot of my opinions about the late 60s and 70s. So yeah, Americans have that <laughs> it going for us. It was all a lie, Josh. Everything <laughs> you know is a lie. Mikey, just close your eyes and go to sleep. It's a lot better over here. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I wish there was a scene of him uh, next to JFK getting assassinated and him jumping on that car, <laughs> superimposing Forrest on that car. Forrest film. <laughs> yeah. Forrest grabbing brains. <laughs> that is one thing I noticed towards the end, too. It seemed a little fetishy on the assassination gun side yeah what was up with that so many assassinations just brought up in the middle of the film of people that even he doesn't even meet yeah the ones that are actually shown though i don't know if any of them really die though right yeah that's true i wonder trying to say josh that gun violence isn't a part of the history of america no it is i and i think it's interesting like if you were to do a forrest gump of modern times would this be like newscast of columbine and uh i don't know any of the other horrible horrific ones that have happened that i don't want to name but jeez depends on who's directing it michael moore it would, it would just yes. be balloon boy mm-hmm. it would be all the stupid stories it'd be balloon boy, balloon <laughs> boy. <laughs> that clown that chased people in that one town So this next, I think we're in segment three of four of the movie here, and it's a huge montage, I think mostly of the early 70s. Um, I don't really want to go through it beat by beat, but just to open it up to discussion, some of you guys' highlights and lowlights here. Um, Just quickly, he plays ping pong here. He, you know, Jenny's a hippie all throughout this. She's doing a bunch of drugs. Jenny just... has been road hard and put away wet for most of the 70s. Oh. <laughs> what do you mean, Stevie? I love that phrase. I love that. What's that? Uh, what do you mean? Expound. <laughs> Expound on Jenny, like probably getting two hours of sleep at night, doing blow nonstop. I imagine using needles and having lots and lots of sex with multiple, multiple people. Did you think debating that... suicide? Ooh. Debating suicide with Freebird playing in the background. Yes. Yeah. What's so that? she can get wings and fly. Wait, fall, Pappy, fall why the ug? <laughs> I don't know. I, everything like the first, the, to me, the first hour of this movie is so incredibly strong, and then it starts to fade a little bit. I, I'm, I'm less interested in the story of Forrest and Jenny when he starts playing ping pong for ten years and she's <laughs> doing blow off some. Mm dude's cock like i don't care about all that. <laughs> was that the is that the unrated version did i miss that yeah i think pat brings up Read a, between a the good, lines brett a, a good point though it's like uh, kind of the tone of this movie is all over the place for me the forest stuff is so goofy and comical of him just being a huge part of history and then He's got all this baggage with Jenny, and she's just the worst. She's the absolute worst. <laughs> and she keeps hanging around Forrest, just toying she's with him. Like she's kind of cruel. Movie. We talked about it she's earlier. She's so cruel to him. This is my real Stevie question. What's up? Why can't Jenny make the connection that this movie is trying to say that she'd be happier with Forrest from the beginning? Like, why, why can't she just do that? Well, has any man, like, ever been a comfort to her at all in her life? Exactly. Like, I mean, if you think about it, like, she didn't have force in her life a ton. Um, 
And like, I imagine she was in a ton of abusive relationships. So I think the last thing she wanted to do is like probably to get in a relationship with Forrest. And I'll add this too, in Jenny's defense, like a lot of us on this podcast have partners and I think a lot of us like respect the intellectual aspect that our partners bring to the relationship. Can you imagine no, being Yeah, with no mentally- Leonardo DiCaprio's in this bunch. You're, we're asking 25 and cut him. The audience is asking Jane to be with a mentally handicapped person. And I like really look yourself in the mirror like could you do that? <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean, <laughs> but she shouldn't she shouldn't sleep with him throughout the years. That's on her. She's doing that. She slept with Love him one blind, time. Pat. Yeah. And, and I, yeah, I still that's on her. I would say two times though, Pat. He p- Haley Joe Osmond is the Jesus-like character. He packed yeah. in his pants. It's not a big deal. It's not sleeping with someone. People have told me that over and over. <laughs> <laughs> Don't add this to your list. <laughs> I, Josh, she's just like a, a free spirit, but like ro- like a Rolling Stone. She, I mean, staying at home to her probably translates to instability. So she's always trying to find that next thing. I don't know. She's a drug addict and... A lot of drug addicts are victims of abuse. I've seen it a lot. And drug addicts do not make very good decisions a lot of the time, believe it or not. So I think she is no exception to that. And I don't think we can understate uh, how traumatized she was from her childhood and her dad, specifically. Greenbow, Alabama mm-hmm. is probably the last place she wanted to go back to. I think that's a big part of it right there, yeah. And I want to bring up something, too. Her life was on the right track. Like... She got into college in the 50s, which was exceptionally rare for a woman to do. And she was kicked out because she was showing her body in a magazine. Like, that's on the mm-hmm. conservative university system, not on Jenny. Like, her, her life got derailed again when she was almost on the right track. But would she have stayed on it? That I don't know. Yeah, yeah I mean, can't say. It's kind of up in the air. That's a good point, though. It's just... You know, why did she do that to begin with? I mean, I just think just in her DNA mutated after their tough childhood. She had tough, I mean, way more than tough, but. There's definitely a thing where you believe that you don't deserve actual happiness. So, right. Definitely. I think that's part of it. But I think a lot of it, too, is what Pappy was saying is on an intellectual level, they weren't that much of a match. I think she wanted to experience more things in the world than in this life, kind of. <laughs> but mm-hmm. going back to this point Stevie made that I really liked a, a long time ago, about how they, the makeup on her throughout this period, like she really looks better when she's a little older. That scene where she looks in the mirror after that dude passes out, I'm, you're just kind of like, whoa, she's aged about 10 years and five minutes. <laughs> what they did is they desaturated the colors in that scene to make it look like uh, more bleak. That might be a part of it. Is that what they did? Yeah. Very cool. I wish Tom so- Hanks had more aging. I feel like Tom Hanks looks the same from the time he's supposed to be 18 to the time he's supposed to be like 45. <laughs> <laughs> or Sally Field and Jenny... Who plays Jenny? I'm so bad at that. Robin, Robin, Robin Wright. Wright. Robin Wright. Used to be Penn. Yeah, probably Robin Wright Penn at the time, but yeah, Robin Wright. She goes through an incredible transformation. I feel like Tom Hanks kind of more or less doesn't look different, and he should look more different after doing all that shit that he did. I picture him eating like a vegan lifestyle salad every day 
exercising like crazy ton, doesn't do drugs or alcohol. Maybe he just like, this is what you get for living clean, Pap. I wouldn't know about that, so. He's the perfect man. <laughs> I mean, was he, did he ever like drink a beer or anything in this movie? Even during New Year's? Just a lot of Dr. Peppers. <laughs> I got the feeling he was drinking with, the, with Lieutenant Dan. He was with Lieutenant Dan. And Lieutenant Dan was drinking, so I guess. I don't think Forrest Gump was drinking. <laughs> Lieutenant Dan was just exercising his arms. He was drinking. <laughs> uh, also in this big, meaty, huge montage, we have uh, the Watergate scandal kind of exposed. Um, we get some Nixon action. Um, the The shrimp business is like on his mind the whole time, though, and... He's finally released from the army and he basically just sprints to a boat to buy it. Pappy, what the the shrimp really is like the next whole impetus of the movie. What what's he do here? Yeah, I mean this is where Forrest Gump really embraces his uh capitalism side. He buys a boat and names it Jenny. Uh and Lieutenant Dan is brought into the ranks and kind of strangely and, and this has been pointed out a lot too. This isn't my original criticism, but like for him to be successful, everybody else in the Gulf of Mexico or wherever he is has to basically lose their <laughs> jobs and then his prayers are answered. And now he's a very successful shrimp boat captain. God works in mysterious ways, right, Josh? <laughs> well, they didn't deserve it as much as him. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yes, that is what who he is. Did they have a Congressional Medal of Honor? I didn't think so. <laughs> Are they all Americans? Nope. How many presidents' hands have they shook? Zero. <laughs> I can Fucking go lames. on. Yeah. How many Playboy Playmates do they almost get to third base with? Mm. Zero. I mean, I like I like the shrimp boat parts. I think they're they're actually one of the strongest stronger parts of the movie. There's a lot of cool cinematography with the the sun setting and and like we talked about earlier, the Lieutenant Dan stuff. This is where he he makes his peace with God. Comes to try out his sea legs. Oh man, he ain't got any legs. He makes his peace with Poseidon. Peace with Poseidon. Hark! <laughs> I love how this movie does a lot of parallels. So one thing I was thinking of earlier today was how many different bus scenes there are. It's kind of a trope. And then also in this scene, his kind of second life here with Lieutenant Dan, where they live together again, starts with him just jumping off the boat while it's moving, and that's kind of funny because he's like rejoining lieutenant dan and he's all happy but then it ends when he gets the notification that his mom's sick and kind of in a panic jumps off um movie gets a lot less fun here huh mikey (laughs) yeah mama dies she has (laughs) cancer uh force jumps off that boat and swims back home and uh he just goes upstairs where his mom is being treated by a doctor and did she say what type of cancer or is it just cancer in general? It's, I think it's the cancer. Yeah, cancer is still pretty new at that time. So it's the cancer, not any specific cancer. And uh, she just kind of dies, I think, like later that week or something. And that kind of changes Forrest's uh, course of action again. Does What does he do after that? He just kind of sticks around home? Just kind of hangs and I'm not going to debate the quality of this last kind of close act of the movie, but is anybody else with me that it 
just not as fun to watch from here. I mean, we get Mama dying. There is a little bit of redemption, obviously, when him and Jenny reunite. But it's, you know, she has to tell him that she's sick, too, right away. Well, she bangs him once and leaves, right? She doesn't even tell him at that point. Yeah, she shows up when he's at home. And then, uh, you know, it seems like maybe they're going to start a life together and he's going to finally get what he wants. But um, she hits the road again. She leaves while he's sleeping. So what does he do? He just it's like a montage of him mowing lawns for like four years and she's just back. <laughs> or no, he she wrote the letter. He starts, he starts running. running. God. Oh yeah. my gosh. I almost okay. forgot about the whole running scene. <laughs> the running is the stupidest fucking shit I've ever seen in anything. Like Like I've hated I've hated Forrest Gump for the majority of my life and yet I've somehow find myself in this weird position where I need to defend it but there is no defense for this stevie i know how much you love this movie going back to seventh grade we would have fights about this part like dude you used to like it man i know what happened i you never changed, liked bro. it changed, no Abby. no you changed do you think is this based on a real guy what? I, I mean everything else is like kind of rooted in history a little bit but this running thing is just Forrest getting rid of some Jenny demons for two years. <laughs> and that- so I read an article and also IMDb trivia that kind of matched up with it about like why Forrest ran and like why he was so good in the military. And they kind of connected it to his autism. And like apparently there's some forms of autism, not all, where like when things start to get tough or they really don't know what to do with kind of their emotions, they start running. Is that a documented thing? I read an article on that, and it was also in the IMDb trivia. Mm-hmm. But in this last... And it was kind of like why he was so good at assembling and deassembling guns was kind of the puzzle aspect of it. So, yeah. But in this last act, the movie abandons anything that it was doing good. Like, the only reason the story about this mentally handicapped person is mildly entertaining is that he's, like, hitting all these beats of 20th century America. Like... I don't give a shit about the the shit happens bumper sticker. I don't give a fuck about the smiley face t-shirt. Like that is so Dude, that smiley face t-shirt was everywhere. It's bro. inconsequential yeah, it compared to the Vietnam fucking war. The war in Viet fucking <laughs> Nam. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was like a parallel to Jenny running whenever things got tough or good and when things got really bad for Forrest, he ran, so it's kind of like the opposite. Well, she runs in a metaphor metaphorical way and he just literally he runs, runs in a literal way <laughs> yeah, because he's a literal guy <laughs> he is a literal guy yeah I like how the one time like <laughs> this line really struck me okay so later in the movie she's introducing him to Haley Joe Ozma his son Jesus and she's like he's named Forrest after his father oh I love that line and he's you know it kind of goes back to this whole thing. Like, he doesn't get it. Oh, there's another Forrest? And she just, like, cuts the bullshit right away. She's like, no, Forrest, you are his father. <laughs> it's very cut and dry. What? Kind of go back to the running scene, though. It's probably one of my favorite parts of the movie. It's when he's... It looks like in Arizona or Utah where he's running. It's at the very end of his run. <laughs> the guy who's been following him forever. He's like, hold on, he's going to say something. <laughs> Quiet, quiet, he's gonna say something. I'm pretty tired. Think I'll go home now. 
Now what are we supposed to do? And just like that, my running days was over. Well, what do we do now? <laughs> <laughs> that guy killed himself in the middle of the sure. desert later that night. He had nothing I else. I love that part. There is a constant <laughs> criticism I hear, too, that calls this movie cowardly for using those moments not to say something, but just to use comedic effect. Uh, I think it lands so well. It works for me. Pappy, is this some of that woke culture that you disagree with? I, what, it, what is the movie supposed to be saying here? What is it supposed to be? Like, I don't know what, the, what, what do you want for the, like, what do they want from the movie is my, my question. Uh, what do you mean? Well, Josh said it's a, the movie doesn't say anything here. What it doesn't say anything about what? Like, okay. So for example, when the military guy unplugs all the things, oh, at the speech, oh, oh, okay. And he has this opportunity to grandstand and say something instead of actually good writing and writing a moving speech, they avoid it. And so like here with the running and the pack, they kind of avoid it as well. But would Forrest give a good speech when he has no idea what's going on? (laughs) He literally got pulled onto a bus and had no idea what was going on. He was taking pictures of the white house. And then like literally two seconds later is about to give a speech. (laughs) I just, like, what do they want him to say? He doesn't know what's going on. His only speech he saves for a bus stop. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish them. Do you guys get, like, the feeling that it's just, like, the life of an apolitical guy who has absolutely no idea what's going on just happens to fl- go through all of these important historical moments? Forrest doesn't really have any politics, I guess, really. He's just kind of living yeah, I, and surrounded by all of these things. I mean, even Tom Hanks said the film is non-political and thus non-judgmental. I think that that's how I always felt about it. But I mean, people will tell me how I'm supposed to think about the movie, but I, I've never <laughs> felt that way. People have called me the social justice warrior on this pod. Well, I don't like that. Lots of people. It's Josh I think there's some truth that this movie portrays maybe conservative values better than leftist values. But listen, like. If art is allowed to say the opposite in a lot of films, why isn't it allowed to say conservative values are good? Like, hey man, Josh, I've <laughs> never felt closer to you. You're the best. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, but I get it. Oh yeah. But moreover, like you brought up the example that is constantly cited, and we we listened, we both listened to the Unspooled podcast, or whatever it's called, and like Paul Shear. In that episode, like, started screaming, like, this was Forrest Gump's opportunity to say something about Vietnam. And, like, to Vietnam! read... To read that as a conservative message is just completely disingenuous because who pulls the cords from the microphone? It's the military. It's literally yeah. a military cover-up. The military isn't allowing the American public to know the truth, yet somehow this is mm-hmm. preaching conservative values. Bullshit. It's, it's saying that the military covers up fucked up shit that they do. Why does no one bring that up? You guys listen to Unspooled? I do not uh, endorse what Pappy just said, uh, military. Uh, (laughs) Please don't (laughs) include me into this. Pappy just screamed into a microphone that the military covers fucked up. (laughs) We're on a list for sure. (laughs) And every time, like, Forrest is, like, upset with something, he always ends his little spiel with, like, and that's all I'll say about that. Right. And that's what he says at the end of that Vietnam speech. So it's, like, something he... 
either disagrees with or is like upset uh, talking about so it's like you get the context that he doesn't approve of this vietnam war when he's giving that speech yeah because that guy i mean he's a he was a somewhat famous person and he freaking loved it uh yeah i can't remember his name uh abby hoffman forrest gump <laughs> what did you say like you said, well, you said, it, we're getting, uh, you said it all it's man. just that paul Shear didn't watch the movie uh, but i know to go back to like the whole running part though josh like the only reason that i really hate that part is it feels really inconsequential because like Jenny leaves him, he runs, then she just like comes back and they get married and she has what I guess is AIDS. I well, there's there's debate uh, between Hep C and HIV. One part that played for comedy that I didn't think was supposed to was right before he runs. There's like three or five different shots of him sitting around his like little campus, just like staring off into space thinking. (laughs) And I don't know something about that just really cracked me up. I, I don't know, Pappy, the, the running thing I could give or take, this is a pretty long movie. So I'll give you this one. Maybe they just should have cut it. It doesn't really serve that great of a purpose, but it does allow for some time to pass. Yeah. That's a big one. I think. And so Haley Joe Osment grows to a boy grown and Stevie (laughs) bring us from what's up bring us from the bus stop to this is kind of where the narration starts and we pick up in real life how long has Forrest been telling this story for days (laughs) jeez like and he kind of comes I think if I remember correctly he comes to the fact that he doesn't have to take the bus at all that he really doesn't have to go like that far at all to get where he's going and he's waiting uh, for his Uber. Well, for yeah. a guy that's run across the whole country, I mean, right? really, this is just—I mean, this is less than a stone's throw. But for he's this not guy. very smart, though. He probably just didn't. Some lazy person probably told him, "Hey, take this bus instead of walking five blocks." <laughs> exactly. He probably, he probably took it really literally, and it's like, All yeah. Right. Paul Shear wants Tom Hanks to give this profound Vietnam speech. He can't even like know. He doesn't even know what bus to get on. Yeah. Fuck you, Paul Shear. Is that they have a nine bus? Yeah, no, unspooled as oh. shit. Dude, but I, I do like, love how did this get I made. I like Paul Shear. I, I think he's too. hilarious. I, do I don't know who he is. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a turd. But he's wrong about Ford. He's wrong about this movie. But, um, yeah, so we get to uh, Jenny's pad. And um, that's when Forrest, I love that face he makes when he realizes that Haley Joe Osmond is his. Um, and, Josh, that joke is hilarious where... It just kind of cuts right through Forrest's brain where she's like, his name's Forrest. He's named after his daddy. His daddy. He's like, huh. He got a dad named Forrest too? Got, got a dad named Forrest too? <laughs> Ken, uh, Josh was talking earlier about things that got him. Like, this doesn't get me, but I've heard a lot of people say the most emotional part of the movie is like like the two seconds where Forrest is like absolutely terrified that the kids like him intellectually. And I think that's like the best acting of the movie. I, I, when he's like, is he, he asked if he's smart, and he finds out he is, and he's like this humongous relief, like a huge weight is lifted off him. That I don't know. That, I thought that's one of the best parts. That doesn't get me, but when Jenny, just to skip ahead a little bit, when Jenny's dead and uh, Tom Hanks says he's so smart, I literally uh, oh, cried. Yeah. I literally oh, yeah. cried on this. That good. part gets me yeah. every so time. Woo! It's a pretty good movie, boys. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, no, it's not. I want to do, a, yes, before yes. we get to final yes or no, I just want you to quickly go through, go through the group and say where your favorite bit of acting or just like maybe a nod you want to give. I don't know, Corey, we, can you start? Starting sure. from the West. I'm a big uh, fan of Gary Sinise in this movie. I think he's really like the standout. I love every moment that has Lieutenant Dan. Um, one of my favorites is when uh, Forrest Gump is at his apartment and they've kind of reunited and they haven't been together that long. And Lieutenant Dan is telling about how he has to go to these, um, like, he goes to like yeah. group meetings essentially and how they all have found Christ and one day they're telling him he'll get to walk uh, beside God in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, I don't know, that whole part, it's just, I find it really strong. Um, I mean, it doesn't like make me weep or anything, but I just think it's really strong <laughs> acting. And uh, I think Gary Sinise is fantastic in that moment. The set design there is low key brilliant too, I think. Uh, Pappy, you're next. Uh, yeah, I'll give a tip of the hat to all of the child actors in this movie. It's pretty fucking crazy that Haley Joel Osment might be the second or third best child actor in this movie. But <laughs> from the guy who plays young Forrest to the girl who plays young Jenny to Haley Joel Osment, it's it's t- I, c- I can't believe they found three kids who, who have relatively minor parts who can act that yeah, well and don't fuck up the scene. It's very rare. Even the other kids, how memorable is the can't sit here... Oh, all yeah. those lines. Seats taken. Seats taken. <laughs> I'm with Corey on this one. I love Gary Sinise in this movie, and I really like think like the Vietnam parts <laughs> and like <clears throat> the shrimp boating parts, like the strongest parts of this movie. Um, <clears throat> I would say if I had to, like tip my hat to like any actor alone in this movie, it'd be Gary Sinise. Two votes for Gary Sinise, Mikey. Uh, I like uh, Bubba. Good call. He's just when uh, they meet Gary Sinise in Vietnam, and he's like, "Are you guys twins?" And, <laughs> and they're both like dumbfounded because they're both dumb, pretty much the same. They're both not very smart, but they're like two peas in a pod, really. Uh, so they are kind of a lot like brothers, and it is sad when Bubba dies, but uh. Forrest makes up for a tribute to him by doing the whole Bubba Gump Shrimp Co. thing. So it's like he's a really good friend. And I swear he meets Jenny and Bubba for the first time on buses. And for some reason, there's just like a little bit of extra sprinkle of magic surrounding that. And I, I'm not really sure why. Something I've been thinking about today. Uh, Brett. Oh, man. I'd say probably my favorite acting is when Tom Hanks is sitting in, in the car talking to Hooch. That's probably my favorite part of the whole movie. <laughs> what? Um, I, pro- I'd say the whole the scene Pappy was talking about earlier um, with the at the gravesite. I think that's awesome. I think he's awesome the whole time. I mean, he won Best Actor. Uh, he was really, really good, but that scene where he's crying, he's like, he's so smart. Uh, that's probably my favorite. I'm a Tom Hanks guy, so that's a good moment. Yeah, and I'll, I haven't gone yet, but I'll just add to sprinkle a little bit more Tom Hanks. I really like the part where he um, he kind of put Jenny's boyfriend in her in his place because he had oh, yeah. hit Jenny. And there's like this whole thing where 
I think she should go back home to Greensboro, Alabama. <laughs> and then he After gives that, him. I told Brittany that's my least favorite part of the movie. He gives him these eyes, these evil <laughs> eyes, when he looks back, yeah. and then like switches immediately to these like really loving eyes to Jenny. Yeah. I mean, it's really the one time you see Forrest get mad like that, so it sticks with you. Well, he gets beats that guy up in the car, and throws yeah, the guy. He almost shows like no emotion while doing it. Yeah. Kind of Manchurian candidates to every guy that's trying to beat up Jenny. I'm sorry I started the fight in the middle of your Black Panther party. <laughs> so the movie actually ends with the feather leaving and Forrest apparently in some sort of meditative, discognitive state, just sitting there by the mailboxes. He's going to wait there for 10 hours until Haley Joel Osment gets back home. <laughs> yeah. Um, after kind of Tennessee where uh, Forrest has a big blow up with Jenny when she's Bobby Dylan, and he goes back home to Greenbow and he's with his mom crying on the rock do you think he's crying because of Jenny or because he's scared of Vietnam Jenny oh, yeah I don't think he yeah I think it's all Jenny Jenny think, gotcha this was like time number three that she basically straight up ran from him <laughs> Right? Yeah. She just catches a cab, I think. No, just a hitchhiker. She hitchhikes. And it's so sleazy, that guy in the truck's like, get in the truck. He's like, hop in, I'm gonna... Never mind. Hot take, that crowd was totally justified in harassing Jenny. If you pay to see <laughs> a burlesque show and some wannabe Bob Dylan goes up there and sings a cover of Blowing in the Wind, she's fucking up. That's on her. <laughs> you can't, yeah, you can grab her and throw drinks on her. You can't that's, assault her. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying she's still assault, her. brother. It's a hot take, Pap. That is. You're saying that's her good. performance not good, but no one deserves assault. I get it. Sure. Corey, start us off with our best segment. Yes or no's. Oh no, Jesus character. Okay. Um, it's Haley Joe Osment. Who would you rather do? <laughs> um. Well. I'm going to give it a yes. I think this movie holds up pretty well. I wasn't sure if it was going to. It, it does have a couple corny moments, but I mean, overall, it's still kind of, it, it somehow maintained that magic, I think, for the most part. And it's a good movie. I, I watched it a lot when I was younger. I haven't watched it for a long time, but rewatching it, I was, uh, was kind of getting into it. Um, there's one scene that I really like that I want to just touch on. We didn't talk about it. It's like near the end. I think it's right before Jenny dies and um, Forrest Gump is talking to Jenny while she's in bed and I really like this scene for some reason but he's just saying how when he was like running across the United States how he would like stop and just kind of look up at the sky and like I don't know I think the cinematography and music kind of blend together really well there and make it feel kind of magical and uh, I kind of got the chills while watching that and for that scene alone I'm going to uh, bump up this rating, but since we're just on a yes or no, uh, it's a yes for me. Uh, it's a yes for me. Um, I, I think Forrest Gump might literally be the most overrated movie of all time, and when I say that, it won six Academy Awards, and the American Film Institute named it one of the 100 greatest American films ever made. And that's easily that to me is egregious and stupid. It is not at all that good. There are way too many holes in in the third act. Uh, I I think that without the monumental performance that Tom Hanks delivers and probably only Tom Hanks could deliver, uh, this would 
be a failure of a film, but I also feel bad for Forrest <laughs> Gump because I think that had a lot of things that worked against it. There was a huge narrative, like from basically when it came out until now, that it ushered in a right wing like wave in America, and, and there's a narrative around it that it's it's got all these like anti intellectualism or anti feminist views. And but I think mostly at the heart of it is is that it won Best Picture and arguably the best year of movies of all time. It beat uh, spoilers movie Pulp Fiction and potentially future spoilers movie Shawshank Redemption and it's just not mm. it's not as good as either of those films and I think that's part of the backlash against it along with all the other stuff I said but I've watched Forrest Gump 10 12 times in my life I'm probably gonna watch it five or ten more times or something there is something magical there about it and I I do love it for what it is so a yes for me I'll go ahead and go I just think a healthy viewing of this movie is you realizing that not everything is like really true to the history books. And this is just like I said in the opener, like a wet dream, a feverish dream of what an idealized boomer history is. And if you can just realize that and take it with a grain of salt, it's really enjoyable film, huge. Yes. Kind of reminds me of like maybe big fish, but you don't hear like anyone saying that Big Fish is like not taking the right political movement because you just like recognize how absurd it is. And I think that Forrest Gump really takes it to those levels of absurdity quite a bit. That's all I got. That's my yes, Stevie. This is a hard yes. I think it's also kind of understated like how iconic this movie truly is. I mean, think about it. It started like a food chain that's still operating and widely successful to this day. Like, have you guys been to those restaurants? I've walked by it a bunch of times. Yeah, there's one on CityWalk. Madero Beach. Yeah, I've been to uh, I've been to four of these now. Like, I think there's at least 30 of them. Not every movie has that. I can't think of another movie that started like a food, like a, honestly, like a food industry like that after a movie release. I think this movie's widely loved. I love it. Um, I understand that not everything <coughs> ages perfectly. But I think just for like a fun kind of like turn your brain off movie watch, I think it's a great movie. So hard yes. Mikey. Uh, since Pat didn't say no, I think I'll say no. Soft <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, Josh, you do this every time you win trivia. You somehow manage to pick the movie I want to watch absolutely last <laughs> in the history of cinema. And Forrest Gump is just so freaking long, man. It's two and a half hours, and it was the last thing I wanted to do today. So I slogged through it. I I didn't hate it. It's a fine movie. But it's just, if you haven't seen it by now, are you really going to stop and watch Forrest Gump now? I think, like Pap said, there's so many better movies than Forrest Gump now. And it probably did rob the Oscars that year. And it is iconic, like Stevie said, but, I mean, come on. there's Now, there's better movies, man. <laughs> if you haven't seen Forrest Gump by now, it, just move on. <laughs> it's a soft no. And moving on to the last review, Brett. That is lame, Mikey. You gave yeah. Right, everyone, that, he's man. got he gave it four and a half stars on Letterbox just to let you, everybody. I know. don't care. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> it's a different ass. scale. 
Uh, wasn't a five, Brett, you're looking Josh, at movies that I reviewed when I first got Letterboxd. I'm so flustered at that, Mikey. Stuff. That's bull. But whatever. Um, I love this movie. I think it's a great movie. I think I'm actually starting to feel more like what like the rewatchable said about this at this point. I think Forrest Gump is actually underrated because of all the crap it gets and it gets pushed up against two giants in film and uh, I mean it, it act like it's not even the same league and I, I mean I disagree with that um, I'm not saying it's better but I really really enjoy this movie I don't think there's a single part or like section of this movie that I don't like um, yeah, this is a, definitely a hard yes for me I think it's a great movie Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to get some of those criticisms out there. Um, a lot of them just don't really ring true with me in this movie, and I'm glad most of you guys felt the same way. Uh, I have so a quick thing, if yeah. it's okay. Yeah. Um, Dave Chappelle yeah. turned oh, yeah. down the role of Bubba. How fucking awesome would it have been to see Dave Chappelle as Bubba? <laughs> I love Michael T. Williamson, though, like, a lot. But, yes, it would have been crazy. <laughs> also, Kurt Russell. That would have just been, like, another... Oh, sorry. Oh, ahead, also, Pat. Kurt Russell, A John- Movie Club. Uh, very is significant. It, did, was this the one that John Travolta turned down as well? John oh. Travolta turned down Forrest. Yeah, that oh, would have sucked. Oh, 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 my God. I would oh have paid <laughs> so much money to see John Travolta Forrest Gump. Dude, I want to see the Nicholas Travolta Cage. Chappelle cut. Oh, my God. <laughs> Travolta <laughs> Chappelle cut? I would pay $100 go back in time and see that movie made. Oh, oh Nicholas Cage. We need both it, versions to be in the same timeline, though. That would be the best. <laughs> I just want him to recreate the scene <laughs> I, where Bubba dies with Travolta and Chappelle. Like, I just want to see that scene. He's like, oh, my God. I, <laughs> I give that movie a yes. Oh, Nick Cage just starts screaming all the different type of shit, uh, all the different type of uh, shrimps that Bubba was going to make with him. <laughs> <laughs> no, Nick Cage is Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> So that is five yeses and one no. I think as far as foods go for spoilers, I would say that's probably... A box of chocolates, boys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 Woo, well done. And Mike is a coconut filled one. <laughs> yes, the dark he is. chocolate coconut filled. <laughs> Mikey gets a toothpaste it's one. Raspberry. <laughs> Some nasty crap. <laughs> Dude, what are we going to say? What I was most upset about this week is that Josh picked a movie that everybody has seen 20 times. It's like, what are we possibly going to say about Forrest Josh does go to the end said? of the spectrum is better than anybody in this podcast, though. And like Boromir, Josh broke the fellowship of Fast and Furious movies that we were supposed <laughs> yeah, to do. Yeah, so you're dead to me, Josh. <laughs> we already ruined you, them. Josh picked Los Enchiladas and Forrest Gump not too far <laughs> apart. That's brave, man. I just don't want to watch movies that I've seen 30 times. <laughs> Unless it's a Fast and the Furious movie, in which case... Yeah, unless yeah. it's Fast and uh, Furious. so terrible. <laughs> a lot of hot Family. takes there. Uh, I was rooting for Mikey in the trivia because I think he's going to have advantage. Not so much anymore. So the order will be first Mikey, then Pappy, then Brett, then Corey, Kylo, then Stevie. And so... Oh. Can you guys just... This isn't the trivia, but can you just shout out there what Forrest Gump's IQ was in this movie? 75. 75. 75. Nice. So, <laughs> for our trivia this evening, um, I looked up a couple websites doing a little research about IQ and its meaning. And yeah. I used two main websites. Uh, these websites, I'm telling you guys, if you have any sort of questions about things, 
like anything. So it's probably in my first three or four sources I would go to. So Wikipedia. Ask, <laughs> ask Jeeves. No, 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 no. Ask Jeeves. Dreamastromeanings.com and inc.com. Uh, pillars of industry, both of those. So that's where I'm getting this, in, this info. Um, just wanted to read this quick excerpt, excerpt on what does an IQ score of 75 mean? The IQ score of 75 is considered a borderline intellectual functioning on IQ. In this range, when a person's IQ is lower than 84, that means the cognitive ability is low. These people often face some difficulties while performing certain life activities and tasks. People with the IQ score of 75, as well as parents of children with this IQ, should not be discouraged. Intellectual level can be raised. And then herein lies the question. I think there's like 13 of these. They're all worth different amount of points, but Mikey, your job is to just name a way that you can raise your IQ. What? <laughs> Dude. Read? You would think that would be on here, but it's not. <laughs> that doesn't say, work, Mikey, sorry. I'm gonna say sleep. Get enough sleep, and that is worth one point, Happy. So you're on the board. What are these magical points assigned to you? Okay, yeah, yeah. So basically, the more absurd the answer is, the more points, like the harder it is to like pull this out of the ether, I gave it more points. So there's one pointers, two pointers, and three pointers. Oh my my real problem this week is that I knew we'd have to play a Josh trivia, <laughs> and that just really grinds my gears. Oh my every gosh, week. relax. <laughs> All right, who's next? I believe it is me. Brett. Uh, do puzzles. <sighs> Fucking took my answer. <clears throat> this is a tough one. It's crossword puzzles? Yeah, that, I almost that said that. It's worth two points. I'm just going to give you the one point, though, for it, Brett. Mm. I think that's fair. Um, Corey, you're up. Um, raise your IQ. Fuck. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, eat healthy. <laughs> that was literally my next guess. <laughs> I have no idea. You would think that would be on here, and it would I be a one-pointer, but it is not on here. Uh, Stevie, why don't you close out the round? <sighs> now I'm afraid. <laughs> Absurd. Because sleep, sleep and eat healthy aren't on there? Sleep was on there for one point. Okay, what did Mikey say? Read. Oh fuck me. <clears throat> um. See, I was gonna say exercise, but I'm afraid. Uh, let's go with um, learning an instrument. That is the b -b 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 bonus question. So for one point, <laughs> you get what? You get playing an instrument. That is one point. But in addition. One of the articles specifically points out one instrument. For two more points, can you name what that instrument is? The piano. Gotta be. You would think it would be the piano, but as <laughs> is they it say, the guitar? No. Recorder. Violin. Excuse. Excuse me. <clears throat> they do say you could go from an IQ of 98 to 105 just from learning how to strum "Free Fallen." So it is the guitar. Ah. Oh. Still got a point, Corey. Going <clears throat> into this or. Sorry, Mikey, going into the <laughs> second round, I want to give a clue for the whole group. Three of these things are things you consume. So, Mikey, you're back up. Uh, 
do you consume vaccines? <laughs> I don't, Is this some I don't sort of know. conspiracy theory? No. <laughs> Happy. I, well, it's a smart thing to get vaccines. <laughs> Sorry, what? What is it? It's Mikey's it using reverse causality to figure this out, but no, it's how to raise your IQ. But I'm supposed to say something that you eat, or just work back. You don't have to. Okay, okay. You don't have to. You said consume, so it's kind of like a. I'm going to say meditate. <laughs> Start meditating is a two-pointer. That was going to be one of my. Uh, drink drink water. Drink water is a great guess because something you would consume, but alas, wow, it's not on the list. Corey, <sighs> consume. That seems like a like a tricky word. Like, what are you trying to say by that? You know, like. Oh, I was wrong. There's four things on this list that you consume. It's gonna be something absurd. You said. Uh, beer. Drink beer. No, makes you smarter. Stevie, you're up. Eat oranges? This makes you think oh. you're smarter. <laughs> no, no oranges. Um, going in this third round, additional clues. So we're getting close to the end here. Um, two more rounds to go. But your clue here is uh, none of the consumables are food. I just want to give you that. Boo! Ah. Oh, I got one. And then also, I wanted to tell you, we're getting close to the end, so don't worry. <laughs> Mike, you're up. Eat vitamins? Uh, yeah. Can you name a specific vitamin? I'll give oh. you one point, but it, can you name the specific oh, vitamin they name? Fuck off, Josh. <laughs> vitamin B? I don't know. It's a great guess. It's actually vitamin D. You still get one point. Uh, prep for the IQ test. As in, like, prepare for that specific test that you have to take. No. Um, I'm going to say one, and if you need me to be more specific, tell me. Uh, listen to music. Incorrect. Okay. Well, Patty's got this pretty much locked they, up, right? Wait, I thought there were all things you consume that was left. No, there's lots more. Oh, okay. Um... Spend time outdoors, like go on walks. You'd think that would be on here. <laughs> it's not. Jesus. I'm really pulling it out of my ass here, so. Stevie. <clears throat> Play board games? Uh, no, it's not. Unless. Oh, there is one board game, so I'll give you the point, but you have to name the specific one to get to. Okay, see, that's what I'm going for. You gave everybody else half a point, but now No, me. you got it. You got that point. <laughs> chess. Oh. It is chess. Yeah. Let's go. So this is the final round. Um, Stevie and Pappy both have three points. Listen, there's three pointers on here. Um, <coughs> there's three consumables, things that you might find <laughs> in like a medicine or like little cabinet where you take things potent potables uh, <laughs> some of these other ones are going to be pretty funny at the end when I get to finally read them off but let's just go through another round here Mikey um, 
watch educational programming. Yes. Two oh, points. Yeah. Watch info what? programs on TV. I mean, I doubt that really works. But <laughs> I highly doubt that works. I put in parentheses or podcasts like this one. Pappy, you're up. Learn a new language? Hmm. You actually have to name the specific language. It has to be Farsi, Pap. Yeah, which specific language? <laughs> Latin. I'm joking. That's worth one point. Good. Great, great answer. Brett? Uh, draw or paint? That is a great answer that's not on the list that I'm sure would help your IQ. All right, I'm uh, done. Corey? Um, let's see. Trying to think of what you said about medicine cabinet, but nothing's coming to me. I have an IQ of 130, by the way. Oops, <laughs> I just <laughs> dropped it on the pod. My, my bad. Oh, shit. It came up naturally. <laughs> Whoops. What did you consume, Pappy? I need help here. <laughs> Everything I possibly could. Vicks vape. Not a, Vicks vape not rub. a dictionary. <laughs> Vicks vapor rub. Uh, I'm going to go a different route. Um, uh, talk to people. Socialize. Go no. to parties. Nice. Meet new people. No. Nope. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fervent No. Stevie. You pulled chess out of your butt. Psychedelics. No. Okay, Joe Rogan. He said consumables, dude. I'm just trying, Brett. Have you seen a chip do DMT? Pappy is in first place. So what I want to do... Whoever's in last is a challenge, Pappy. What I want to do here is take the top two and... Oh take you into the bonus round where we do just a quick final closest two. typical that closest two. Oh wait mikey and stevie are both in it so stevie you, let's go you're mikey first. i hope you win stevie you're first <clears throat> what is the iq of eric clapton this a, what is a surprisingly low iq the iq of a man who's a racist and beats his wife i'm just joking ain't and celeste collie from Singapore had the highest IQ ever. What's that number? Highest IQ ever. 201. Okay. Mikey? We're just doing closest, closest two? Closest two. Oh. Uh, 175. Oh, Mikey. And Pappy? 202. Ooh. I feel like uh, Brett gave away a little bit of no, cheating there. No, yeah, common sense gave it away. Brett. Common no. sense gave it away. Come on. I feel like there's a Pap Brett conspiracy. There's like a clear tell. But <laughs> yeah. the highest IQ oh, ever dude. is 263. God. Um, Jeez, please. Let's fucking that go. seem real. Let's yeah, all, let's all just real. meditate on the clear... Yeah. Collusion happening here as I toss it. Yeah, just... our IQs will raise if we do. <laughs> yeah, really quick. Uh, you could do deep breathing. Here are some of the consumables: creatine, turmeric, or fish oil. Ooh, you I could take creatine every day. Turmeric, take fish oil every day. Yeah. Uh, smarter. Having a tutor was one of the answers. Uh, Go to school. <laughs> Um. Yeah, those are most of the funny ones. Do sprints. 
but that's kind of weird. Anyway, take it away, Spoiler Man. Spoiler Man here. If you enjoy what you heard today, subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is podcast spoilers. It's lit. And we're back. Happy. <laughs> what is our next movie? I'm so looking forward to how we've like got back on this movie game train. I love it. It's fun hanging out with you guys. But I'm happy to pass the mantle on to you. What is the next film? You know, it feels it feels good to be back, and uh, it, 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 it thinks I feel like that we should finish up a franchise that we started, and it feels you know fitting having yes. Kylo Ren. Uh, the Star Wars guy now on the podcast, so I, I think there's only one choice that I could possibly make, Revenge. and that would be the fourth installment of the Fast and Furious franchise. Yes, Fast and Furious, <laughs> baby, Pappy's on board. <laughs> <laughs> What's this so one? So exciting, What's Josh! You're out. Fast and Furious. Just Fast yes. and Furious. Fast and Furious. <laughs> Wait, are we on four, or did we skip three? We did three. What are we? <laughs> three was. We did, we did, Tokyo, we did Tokyo Drift, man. Uh, Fast right. and Furious. Because the timeline is the so, best one. Man, it's so deep. Yeah. It's such a deep The lore. fellowship is united. Family. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. The fellowship is back. Jack? Uh, Pappy, you don't even have your car, bro. That was spoilers. Monica! I can't believe Jordan would subject himself to watching Forrest Gump to come on this podcast tonight. Is he really coming on this podcast? You did it, Mikey. Why wouldn't he? I didn't want to, but I had nothing else going on tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Jordan gets to pick his punches. We don't. So here we are. I mean, we've all watched movies we don't like for a podcast. Yeah. Time Bandits. All right, you guys ready? Yeah. Yep. All right. Three, two, one, go. That was spoilers.